see trees of green Red roses too I see them bloom For me and you And I think to myself Virgin Valley Artists Association welcomes you to the Art Box, recorded in our beautiful Mesquite, Nevada, and sponsored by the Virgin Valley Artists Association. Our association has something for everyone of all ages. Come and get creative with us at 15 West Mesquite Boulevard, or find us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com, or on Facebook as Mesquite Fine Art Center, also on Facebook, the Art Box. Welcome to the Art Box. Today we are in Tour, Utah with Don Gomes. Don is Vice President of Entrada Institute. His business here is called The Old House. At Center in Maine. At Center in Maine. We did not have to pay a marketing firm to name our place because it's at Center in Maine. (laughs) Don, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, let's see. I was born and raised in the Bay Area. California. Got to Utah kind of by accident back in the late 70s. I decided being a department head in city government and a few other things, uh, it was time to move on. So I landed in Utah. Uh, I sing and play guitar. I've seen you. Yeah, it's fun. And I got a chance to to, uh, perform at the, the Claim Jumper in Park City, actually. And on my way through and ended up staying and here we are but that that's that's the the brief thumbnail uh, uh, along the way I, I've, I've managed to have careers in local government in the savings and loan industry I destroyed that and got back in the arts uh, hey, now I heard you interview was it the banker from Bicknell mm-hmm. or was it Loa well, uh, in, in Loa, yeah, Don Coombs, he's okay, the yeah. vice president and, and branch manager. His family, well, they started banking here in Wayne County. and uh, I do a monthly program called Classic Conversations, and that's with people who've had some kind of significant influence in Wayne County. And Don and his family have, have been here for some time, so, yeah. And I was here for that. You were. It, and you were an artist in residence, uh, and... I'll just kind of jump to that, that the Entrada Institute, about six years ago or so, instead of hosting its own artist in residence, uh, did a collaborative deal with Capitol Reef National Park. Uh, many of the national parks and national forests do artist in residence. And, and so that's been a really nice uh, partnership, actually. Uh, they, the park houses them. They, the artist does a presentation in the park, does a presentation for Entrada, and we pay a stipend to the artist. And and you were unusual in many ways, Steve. <laughs> Is that good or bad? It's mostly good. Yeah, you, you got in touch in advance, and you stopped by, and you just kind of endeared yourself to me and, and several other people by just attending events and so I'm glad we could entertain you while well, you were we, here. Well, we, we felt like we were residents of Tory while we were That's here. That's great. But one of the things that, you know, those those career issues were, you know, sometimes opportunities and sometimes uh, closed doors create opportunities. Uh, but I've always had some involvement in in the arts. I'm not a, I'm not a visual artist. I've probably put one or two things together from time to time. I'm a musician and thoroughly enjoy that. When I was in second grade, my parents set me up with music lessons, and I played a curved B-flat soprano saxophone. Did you really? In second grade? Yeah. Let me ask you real quick. So the saxophone for a second grader, is it a standard saxophone, or is it smaller? No, that's what I say. It was the soprano sax, which... Uh, musicians like Kenny G, they play a straight soprano saxophone. Okay. And uh, so this was a curved one, and it it still exists. My older brother has it. But so it, for a second grader, it was just a perfect size. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. And then I moved on to alto and tenor and baritone and bass 
saxophones in various venues. Uh, but that was my introduction to, to music. And then I got involved in theater from time to time. And then ultimately, you know, fast forward, that actually music and, and theater became sources of income. Amazing. Uh, I wasn't getting rich, but I was getting paid for what I did. So. Yeah, and that's, that's unusual. There's not many people in the arts who are making a living out of the arts. They're not. You, you really have to. I mean, we, we all become aware of the stars, whether they're musicians or dancers or actors or visual artists of one type or another. But for every one of those, there's thousands that work at a community level, in community theater, in a community chorus, in uh, producing art. Here, here at the Old House at Center in Maine, we consign work by artists, and we have about 37 right now. And there's a few of them, maybe three, where doing their art is their main source of income. Is it? For the, for the majority of them, it's just, it's a matter of love. They love what they do, and they love seeing a product, and oh, I can earn money from this? <laughs> and so they're, they're really surprised when they have a couple of sales in one month and get paid the next month. Uh, we, we like that. But like I say, for the most part, these are people who do mosaics or do some jewelry or other uh, weaving uh, because they love it. And maybe even therapeutic. Uh, there's a lot to be said for that. <laughs> so, um, actually, there is. Yeah. In fact, uh, one of our board members on an, the Entrada Institute is a music therapist, and uh, she plays violin. And, is very good at it, and, uh, so yeah, uh, art as a as a therapy, whether it's in some kind of institutional setting where you have someone that is coaching you, or just gee, I love playing with this clay, or I'm gonna throw this paint on this canvas, or I'm gonna I'm gonna sing like nobody's listening, you know th that whole thing. And, uh, <laughs> it's like me in the car. I hate to admit. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, the, the secret recording will only only get out once you sell the car. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, you say therapeutic, and I have an interview next week with uh, Mary Grace, and she's over our Cancer Help Society in Mesquite. You know, and we're really, well, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and one of the reasons we want to bring her on is talk about how art and creativity is, is therapeutic and you know people who have a, a bad diagnosis can you know look forward to some sunshine in their life I think probably the most moving moment for me this is some years ago uh, singing outdoors at the Park City ski area which it was called then um, it, during the summer because they, they started the alpine slide and whatnot anyway I sang on this little rickety wooden stage and this uh, woman came up to me uh, when I took a break and thanked me. Uh, she had an autistic son who uh, it was the first time she'd known of him you know, bouncing to or even kind of mouthing uh, some sounds with, uh, with the music. So, wow. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic for your heart. Absolutely. Because one of the things that for an artist of any type, visual artist, musician, singer, dancer, uh, the appreciation, the love is important. We want to think that maybe this is a way I can make a living or have an impact on people, uh, maybe even teach and coach. But as much as anything, just that uh, emotional reward, psychic reward, I think is the, the correct term, that, uh, that you get is is exciting it truly is and I think that <laughs> you know there's the, the the issue of money um, oh there's that there's the there's the bartender or owner or restaurant owner says, why don't you come on down and sing and you know this would be a good exposure for you you know and we uh, can't really pay you and of course one response is you know why don't you 
why don't you provide some uh, chicken wings and beer for our party this Saturday? It'd be great exposure for your restaurant. <laughs> but as much as anything, uh, uh, art, creativity, uh, just the the function of you know, that part of the brain is very stimulating. And it's, a, it's important, I think, to be non-judgmental, but it doesn't mean that you don't critique your work. Uh, when I would perform, I think, well, gosh, I didn't quite hit that note, did I? Uh, <laughs> or, uh, and, 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 that's, and that's fine, but uh, you just, just do it. Uh, it's not a, a finish line, necessarily. You have a finished piece of work or a finished concert, but you continue to move on. And for me, at my age, I, I'm, uh, I continue to be actually inspired by people like uh, Mick Jagger, for instance. He's still performing. And he's much older than you and me. <laughs> and, and he's in great shape. And, and there are others uh, like that. And so, yeah, because I, I can just keep doing it. So well, let me ask you, because you're talking about critiques, do you have a critic in your head that you have to deal with? Sure, you bet. And and even more in the last uh, what, four or five years, where the bristle cones, the oldest yes. living, and, and I've seen the bristle cones play, and and they were very good. And then it's the oldest living tree, and then they point to me. <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah, but you're not in the five thousand year category yet. <laughs> Close. Barry Shaw and Robert Mark are now music partners for right. the longest time. I was a solo. I played guitar and sing and I went from folk music and show tunes to now rock and roll, blues, some country. Uh, and it's really fun. But the two of them are such brainiacs and so, so talented. And they, they can talk through a song. The chord changes, not that it's just a chord change, but what notes and what dominant this and diminish that. And so I'll sit there for a while and listen and say, let's, let's try the song. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, let's do this. Yeah, it, it's given me uh, a new appreciation because I learn things all the time from the two of them. Uh, and then it actually lets me focus on the performing part of it, which is my stronger suit. Yeah, your your performing is very good. Thank you. So the audience, they're gonna hear good music, plus they're gonna laugh. Laughter is so powerful. Yeah. It really is. They're laughing with you, not at you. Exactly. That's for sure. Yeah. And actually, I I have to say there was a point in my life when I thought I want to make people smile, make people laugh, and it was just something that got filed in my head. And so over the years, looking at irony, looking at um, satire, you're right. I, I always appreciate it that an audience will laugh with me because they try not to be, and they really avoid anything hurtful. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to be the Don Rickles style of, of comedy. <laughs> no. You know? uh, but I think it's, it's fun to have fun. There's lots of things that you can make light of. Yeah. Yes, there is. And number one, mostly, is ourselves. Yeah. The bristle cones were really good, though. We really enjoyed that. Well, and you. I guess that was a surprise. I didn't know that you were a member of the bristle cones. Where do your two partners live at? Well, are Barry, they close? Or? Yeah, Barry's in Salt Lake City, although he he and his family own Robert's Roost and the oh, house just okay. to the east there. And so. He's down as often as he can be. Robert Mark lives here. He and his wife, uh, Ann Torrance, opened the Edda Place Cidery. Okay, yes, yes. uh, Robert retired as the distinguished professor of ophthalmology at the Moran Eye Center at the University of Utah. He is a scientist. He approaches his music (laughs) talent very very much. and He's really good. Uh, And I'm famous for somewhere in the middle of a song just thinking, oh, there should be a solo here, and I'll just 
point to him or point to Barry, well, they they go for it. Oh uh, yes, I remember you doing that. So that was um, that was completely unscripted. Very often. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we we're pretty tight on, on some songs. Just the nature of it has to be get going, and the crowd is with it. And I think eh, let's extend this a little bit. <laughs> you you want to talk a little bit about Robert's Roost? Sure. Robert's Roost is a. If you look at it, it looks like a big teepee. It's five sided. It's actually built somewhat on some Egyptian uh, design motifs. It was a it was a residence originally. Uh, Ward Roylance built it. He and his wife lived there, and Barry Shaw and and he became friends over the years. And Ward and Barry and a couple other people were um, founders of the Entrada Institute some twenty seven years ago now, and. Uh, and eventually, uh, Ward wrote a few things. He, he died. It became the, the Scholl family's facility. They remodeled it, and it's become the unofficial headquarters of the Entrada Institute. It, it's worked very well. The, the biggest count I ever had inside was 75 people. And that was elbow to elbow, I guarantee you. Uh, three years ago, for BIF, the Bicknell International Film Festival, where good things happen to bad movies, Better living through bad cinema. And I've been there as well. Thank you. And you walked out on the 45-minute credits. (laughs) Were they 45 minutes? (laughs) They were the longest credits in the world. Exactly. Actually, I saw my cousin's name in there. (laughs) It probably wasn't him, but it's like, okay, I just saw my cousin's name. It's time to leave. (laughs) But in in 2019, that was the 50th anniversary of Woodstock. And so we thought, oh, we, we can do something about that. And so I researched and found the couple that were on the cover of the Woodstock album. <laughs> the very iconic, where the, he's got a quilt around her. Yes, yes. Her, and it's just muddy and awful. So I looked and looked and looked, wrote him a letter. I found him living in Pine Bush, New York. Annie and I, Annie Holt, my wife, and I were headed to Richfield. The phone rang, and I could see who it was. Pulled over. Well, bottom line is they agreed to come out. Did they really? Yes. And they w- just wanted to make sure that we weren't going to be making fun of Woodstock. Well, it turns out that uh, Nick and Bobby uh, are Woodstock ambassadors. On the site of Woodstock is uh, now the Bethel Woods Cultural Center, I think it's called. And they have uh, an outdoor amphitheater that seats about several thousand. I can't remember okay. exactly. But they, uh, before they came here in July of 2019, they had gone to Amsterdam because there was a play about Woodstock going on, and they'd been to three or four other places. But they came here and stayed a week. We uh, put them up. They were just delightful. And they just added some great fun and, and, and reality to, uh, to the weekend. And so Friday night and Saturday night we had films, and then Saturday afternoon, as we did this year, you were there with Rick Broff, uh, we had Nick and Bobby, plus I reached out, it turns out there were four locals who had been at Woodstock. Really? Yes. Two of them agreed to be part of the forum and talked about their personal experiences at Woodstock, and Nick and Bobby talked about it too. Nick said when the album came out, somebody said, and you have to remember, they're in their very early 20s. So did they even know? Well, somebody pointed it out to them, and Nick said, oh, that's nice. Uh, And they went on about their business, didn't think much of it. And as they matured or whatever, they they got to the point of really understanding the significance. Yeah. So they were here, and we had 75 people in the Robber's Roost for that forum. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) That was great fun. But the roost is, uh, yeah, it's it's got some historic significance and more recent history. And uh, like I say, for now, it's the informal headquarters for the Entrada Institute. As I think you know, just to the south, uh, Entrada purchased 1.6 acres with a house on it. It houses some of our guest performers and presenters. It's going to be expanded to include a... 1,200 square foot performing and presenting space and exhibit uh, possibilities. And then uh, in the southwest corner, there'll be a stage, which 
will be designed, or is designed, so that it can accommodate the Utah Symphony oh. or the bristlecones. Okay. Or, uh, or other kinds of activities, big, medium, or small. We're targeting that maybe in the next two to three years that all of that will happen. Okay. And, and how can folks uh, help with that? Well, they can find out more about Entrada. The website is www.entradainstitute.org. And everything you want to know is there. You can sign up to be to receive our weekly uh, e-blast. And, of course, you can donate. And many ways to do that. And that's all spelled out on the website. You know, we're hoping that uh, people will see the vision uh, because we... We also just recently purchased the land just to the west. That's about 2.6 acres, which will provide a variety of things, uh, including the potential of a museum on the Main Street end of it. We're, we're convinced that there are lots of people in Wayne County who have artifacts or historic items, but there's just no place for them to live. And we're hoping that with some trust and outreach that we can include that, uh, as well as uh, you know, house touring events as well. And my wife and I spent some beautiful evenings it's in the summer with your band you bought in. You know, one, one being Vada Wave. Yeah. You know, you really like them. And, and then, of course, they allowed me to use one of their songs for the video that I had to turn into the park service. Yeah. Quinn and... And Megan, Megan. Yeah, very nice people. And what a fun night that was because her, I think they have one little one. He was running around with his cousins in the audience and running around, running around. And mom was up there singing, but she was keeping an eye on him the whole time. <laughs> and it was really, really cute. Uh, the beauty of small town stuff. Yeah. And the stage. Yeah. The stage is beautiful. Are you saying that stage will go away? And no, it won't go away. It, 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 it obviously accommodates you know, any number of kinds of activities. Uh, so in, until the big stage is done, that, there's no reason for it not to continue. A festival of sorts, let's say, Blues and Views grows to where we have big performances on the big stage, but we can have alternate performances on the, the small stage as yeah. well. Yeah, and it's a beautiful stage. The one thing we noticed, and I think it was the very first night, I forget who the, it was, it was a duo who was singing. They, they did some country. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, they're from New Hampshire. They're, her sister lives here. Okay. Uh, Quickfire. Quickfire Light. Yeah, very talented. And what we noticed, because there's trees all around, as soon as they started the music, all the birds came and lit in the trees right there, and they started. Yeah. And we we're like, do you hear that? Do you hear that? The <laughs> birds would just sing and sing and sing, and then the music would slow down, the birds would slow down. It's often quite a menagerie. It's not unusual to see two, four, six, eight deer behind the stage, munching, and uh, birds, including vultures, as well as other songbirds. And uh, one of the things that I haven't seen this year, at least there, are bats. We usually have bats. Uh, But I don't know. I'm I'm trying to think. I think my wife pointed out a bat flying overhead. Okay. The robber's roost and the stage and all the events you have is besides the most beautiful national park here is a good reason to get away to Torrey. And, and I would urge our listeners, you know, particularly the ones in Mesquite to, uh, drive North a little bit. It's beautiful up here. We'd love spend to a weekend, you. spend a week. Now we're getting into the fall of the year. Great time to be here. It truly is. And, and the park, uh, the park is 1500 feet lower in elevation in the heart of, fall and winter, you know you're going to find a warm spot down in the park. Um, so, yeah, it's a great time to be here for the hiking, just for the viewing. Just Unfortunately, lots of things close, but there, there's enough happening that you know, you'll, you'll enjoy it. Entrada has been at the 
the center of activity for a lot of years. Like I said, 27. I had years. I had no idea. Yeah. 27 years. And uh, besides the entertainment, you know, we have presentations from authors and from artists and residents. Uh, we have right now six signature events. Uh, we'll be adding to those that. Uh, Bicknell International Film Festival being one, <laughs> the Blues and Views Festival, the Cowboy Way Festival, uh, the uh, Tory Chamber Music Festival, Arts and the Park, and the Heritage Starfest. Those are the primary, I, I call them, the, we call them actually the signature events, they're ticketed usually. Uh, but next season, uh, looks like we may have a ukulele festival. Oh, fantastic. Uh, with the, the, a name or two that'll be coming in. Starting this October, uh, we will have the revival of Writing from the Land, a three-day workshop. This is uh, partly inspired by a, a $30,000 grant from the Doctorow Foundation, which is guaranteed to continue on an annual basis. Wow. It's a very unusual situation. So. Uh, this year, in mid-October, uh, that will happen. So anybody who's an aspiring writer ought to uh, think about coming. The, the fare is not all that steep. Uh, I don't remember the figures exactly, but it's very subsidized by this grant. So uh, we appreciate that. We have our first writer-in-residence, and that's Zach Podmore, who reports for the Salt Lake Tribune in southeast Utah. He also wrote a book called Confluence about his life growing up on the river. Um, and then he's researching a book now on uh, Lake Powell and its future, its possible demise. So he is a young man who's very talented and that's uh, gonna be a great addition to the whole thing. So Entrada is um, moving ahead. Yeah, so a ukulele, a call out to my friend John Mumford, who plays a mean ukulele in Denver. Uh, John, I think you need to, to come north here next year. I think there'll be a lot of sidebar playing. Yes. <laughs> For sure. Um, but we, uh, we enjoy Tori. Uh, Annie and I uh, met here and told each other on our first date how we'd never get married again. And uh, here we are. Uh, and how long ago was that? 22 years, going on 22 years. And we always thought that this would be the place we'd want to settle in, retire, if you will. I don't know what that means. For I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Do I know anyone who actually retires? Uh, but we, uh, we managed to you know, spend several years in Indiana, Texas, back to Utah, and then six years in Alaska. We'd always come back for a weekend or a week at a time, but this is the uh, wonderful place that we've settled in. How long have you been here now? Full-time, going on seven years. Going oh, okay. on eight years. Going okay. on eight years, yeah. Where were you in Alaska? Well, we lived in Anchorage. Okay. And some people say Alaska really starts 30 minutes outside Anchorage. Yeah. <laughs> but we managed, one of the things, it was a great job opportunity for Annie. She ran a hospital there. I ended up running the community theater while we were there. But we just really made a pact that we were going to see as much as we could. We did. We were north, south, east, and west, and we flew on little planes and on um, dog sleds and you name it. And uh, had a great time. It's a wonderful place. Alaska's beautiful. It gives new meaning to the term rural. We, we talk about Tory being rural, but you can drive here. Yes, you can drive here. 97% of the state of Alaska, you can only reach by air, boat, or snow machine in, this, in the winter. Yeah, that, that was, in a way, kind of hard to leave. Uh, what, we, what, was it hard to leave? Because I've had some friends who have left. And in the middle of the wintertime, they say, it's still light outside, yay! Was yeah, that was the, that the hard? light and the dark? No, in fact, uh, the darkness. Some people would ask me from here in Utah, doesn't that darkness bother you? And I said, well, you know, in the winter, when you go to work in Salt Lake City, 
it's dark usually, right? And when you go home in the evening, it's dark. Probably dark. Right? So, you know, what's the difference? The, the thing that took just a little bit of getting used to was um, the extended daylight. Uh, that's kind of an odd, odd circumstance because suddenly uh, you, you realize, oh my gosh, it's nine o'clock at night. Did, did, you, did you have to cover the windows? We, I, uh, I noticed a lot of that up there. Our bedroom had a, a blackout curtain. Uh, but other than that, it was just, just normal stuff. Uh, yeah, I've always felt when we were up there, we were up there a couple months, and it was summertime. I, I pretty much exhaust myself during the day, so I had no problem sleeping with the light. Yeah. But it, it's, it's still, uh, and it's a beautiful state, beautiful state. Real mix of native culture and uh, you know, new entrants to the to the scheme as well. Yeah, I think. Do you think we were talking the other day when we were um, down at the Mystery Ranch about Alaska? Because um, Rayette, who's also co-hosted with me, um, she's from Alaska, and she, she said moving down here now, and and she's involved with um, with cultural preservation, moving down here. She feels like the native, the pre-contact people, they are, they're looked upon as they're not here. Their ancestors were here and they left these great things, but there's nobody here now. We don't care about them. She said she felt the opposite in Alaska, that everybody was together. I think there's a good portion of that. I think the other thing is that the, the Alaska native population, and there's Native corporations and tribes and so forth that they learned a lot from what happened and didn't happen in the lower 48. Okay. Yeah, that there was a um, a learning curve that said, you know, we we need to stand our ground and we need to not be unfair, but to make sure that uh, our history, our people, our livelihoods are are not forsaken. Uh, you know, uh, life's good. Uh, I think that it's 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 great at night to walk outside and see stars. Yes, it is. And you know, except for the occasion when smoke comes through the valley from forest fires, who knows where, uh, the skies are generally quite clear, and that's just a beautiful thing. Uh, I don't want to tell too many people about that because. We don't want to ruin things. However, yeah, but most of them, when it gets dark, they want to go to bed. Yeah, you need to go out at night. Yeah. It is pretty amazing. Uh, we we have a postcard here at the store that you know half the park is after dark. Yeah, yes, and uh, it's it's just incredible. Uh, I I would say you know, that everybody should experience that. That uh, the numbers or something like eighty percent of the population of the U.S. have never seen the Milky Way. Um, I know uh, Doug Robinson talked about he and his wife were on a mission for the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and uh, they were in an area in Africa where it, the, you didn't really see the sky, and so they were able to, I guess, get them to a, a point where they could, and it was just remarkable. That's one of those things. It's like... The, the other side of that is uh, scuba diving, to go underwater and to realize the world that is there. Um, it's, it's just amazing. Um, I haven't done a lot of it, haven't done it for a few years, but the few times off Hawaii and a couple other places in the Caribbean, it, it's just beautiful. And uh, everybody should take the chance to do that as well. Yeah, at least snorkel. Sure. So. We, we, we snorkel quite. We snorkeled the Great Barrier Reef mm. in Australia, and it's just incredible. And you're right, I don't think about that because I haven't done it in a while. Yeah. But we look up and we look down. Yeah, all those mysteries of sorts, you know, even the hundreds of thousands of tiny insects that we never see, but, but they're all around us, or the, the delicacy of the uh, crust of of plants, the tundra, for instance, in Alaska, but it is part of uh, life elsewhere. Um, the unseen uh, is, is important to remember. Uh, 
Yeah, there's so many mysteries for us to, we don't need to uncover, I should say, experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think uh, one of the things that is interesting living here in Torrey or in any more remote area is that you learn what you can live without. Um, yeah. And most of those are things. And that's why you know, we're very committed to the Entrada Institute and to seeing that arts and culture are made available. Uh, Entrada sponsors a, a play that uh, Plan B Theater Company out of Salt Lake puts together every year and they tour the state. And it's always a message play. And so the, the elementary schools typically uh, re receive that here. And it's, it's really quality stuff. And, it's vetted by educators and psychologists to make sure that it's not going to be um, something that traumatizes kids. But at the same time, you know, looking at whether it's issues of illness or immigration, etc., that they're they're exposed to that. I think the uh, one one of the great um, spans that are uh, bridged is. Uh, with our Tory Chamber Music Festival, because besides the fabulous, world-class performances that uh, these folks put on, they do four days of a strings camp. With the, I think this year there were 24 kids in the camp. Oh, was it really? And yeah. they get a grant for that? Uh, they're partly grant, partly um, uh, tuition. Uh, but yeah, there is a grant that supports that. And so we're to the point actually where they they may hire added musicians to, to help with that. And then they culminate with a concert at Robert's Roost on that stage where the professionals play alongside the Do they the really? Kids. Oh, yeah. wow. It's, it's a great thing to see. And just as great is the fact that uh, you have people from all over Wayne County come and view their kids or grandkids um, performing. So it's a, it has a great personal and community effect, uh, as well as musical. Rumors spreading round in that Texas town About to shake outside the games And you know what I'm talking about Just let me know if you wanna go The experience that a, a youngster has, whether they're in elementary, middle, high school. Um, they may never participate in a play again because they were kind of pushed into this one, but they, they really enjoyed it. And uh, they, they, there's lessons to be learned about teamwork. Yeah, absolutely. Theater, for instance, in music. And, uh, so putting those, putting those, um, experiences you know in front of them is a, is a great service and, uh, you know along the way you know in high school you may think well yeah I'll go be in a play because that you know there's a bunch of girls there the girls are saying there's a bunch of guys there oh isn't that cool and kids are kids and, yeah. and then you, you provide some guidance and you know it's it's not a thing of going from A to B and it's just a straight even a curved line it's two curved lines perhaps and, and you have room to to move within that yeah you have to work a little bit sure and you experience some success and you may find out things about yourself you never would have known ah, there you go <laughs> yeah and, and we talked a lot about um, the kids who come out who maybe can't um, learn their lines and be in a play but they may find the love building the set, being a seamstress. There's always a need for good crew, good tech people. And I'll just go off one second here that we interviewed my cousin who's retired. He was um, 17 years at the National Endowment of the Arts. And, and he, was, he, was, he was one of the top GSA employees, so non-elected employees there. And he talked about how he got into that. And he was in um, a, the Adelphians, which was a little theater group 
local that my mother was really involved in. He got involved in that. And he said, I learned quick that I wasn't very good. So I looked out at the audience. I said, well, there's hardly anybody in the seats. He said, well, I think I can do better than that. So that launched him in his career um, in, in the NEA. And he was, what he was doing, he was supporting artists, even though, like he said, he wasn't a very good artist. Although now he's retired, he's taking pottery, and he's loving it. And I think about half of our podcast, he wanted to talk about his <laughs> pottery, which we were very happy to do. Sure. Yeah, over the years, uh, you know, the couplings and uncouplings of, uh, of people in uh, getting involved in theater, and I, you know, some fun experiences uh, that, um, like I say, you, you you carry those with you. You know, the 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 person who had two or three lines at some point down the road saying, you know, I was a major player in that <laughs> performance. <laughs> That's great. Well, yeah, and they enjoyed themselves. So let me ask you, let me go back a little bit, because I happen to find these things out about you. There is Google. Um, that you were a major studio star, I believe. Okay. You were a studio star. Okay. You were in some movies. I was. Uh, I lived in Park City for a lot of years. Sun Classics uh, headquartered there, and that was uh, a lot of the Grizzly Adams series and several movies. Utah has had uh, some real strong recruitment of film companies to be here. Lee Vondres, who lives here now, was the film commissioner for a lot of years and really set a tone. And, and so Sun Classics did a good job of using local talent. So, yeah, I, I managed to have bit parts in several films. I don't know if I was a star, Steve, but <laughs> yeah, it, it, I sure enjoyed it. Uh, and as you heard last year, when uh, we had Rick Bruff as our forum per, you know, person. Uh, Rick, for decades, was a reporter with the K, KPCW, Public Radio in Park City, and then also with the park record there. And to interrupt one second, sure. um, during the film festival, in the middle of it, you and Rick sat on the stage, and it was pretty darn good. <laughs> we laughed. I don't think we cried any. No. That was... But we, we, we enjoyed the two of you. You went at it. Mm -hmm. he, he, was, he, he was leveling some criticism. He was. And you were good-naturedly um, <laughs> accepting it and throwing it right back on him. It, it, that was that was a very good evening. No, that was during the day. That was during the day. Yeah, yeah it was like ten thirty in the morning. And and Rick, uh, I always said, I may not agree with, I may not like what he said, but I don't necessarily disagree with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he would find things, uh, not not being cruel by any means, because he's very erudite. He really. And knows his stuff, and uh, so yeah, I had a chance to to be in some films and uh, some professional stage work, and um, yeah, that was wonderful times. And singing in CD bars and s singing in Robert's Roof stage, singing in CD bars, huh? Oh sure, yeah. I remember it was Easter weekend. I was singing at the Motherload Bar in Park City. Why? Oh, and this was a the stage was a couple of sawhorses, a piece of plywood, and a tin can with a light bulb in it. I'm not exaggerating. I mean, today I would have pictures of it, but I you know, just have the memory. But somehow a um, fuse blew in my system. It's like, and here's a bar full of people. So I ran out the back door. My housemate was performing at a at Adolph's restaurant, which is the polar opposite of the Motherlode Bar. Yeah. And, uh, and I was able to get a fuse from him, which probably wasn't really the right one, but it worked. <laughs> and I was able to resume playing. But, uh, so there's always always something. So, yeah, I, I did, I don't know, half a dozen films or so. It was always fun. And uh, the, uh, some of the, 
actors who you or character actors. You know, Parley Bear would uh, be up there for things. Uh, uh, Adam uh, Arkin, Alan Arkin's Alan, son. Oh, yeah. really? Alan Arkin's son. Yeah, and uh, Alan Seuss, uh, and uh, several others like that. And it was great. We, there was a film that came out called Snowballing. And it was about uh, the plot involved, you know, the, the, the greedy developer trying to grab the land from this old granny. And here's a bunch of high school kids in town for a ski vacation and races, ski races, that's what it was. And uh, so it filmed all during the month of December. It wrapped on December 24th, Christmas Eve, actually. It's about three weeks of, of filming. And uh, my part in this, I was a race official. And it was as cold and snowy a December as I think has ever happened yeah. in Park City. And so the actors, you know, they, they'd want to do their scene and get someplace warm. So this scene that I had with them, it was up on the top of the mountain. So we'd go up in a snowcat whatever, which is nice and heated. And they used three cameras, and we did it in one take, and all of these <laughs> actors, hey, great job, great job, thanks, thanks, and jump back in the, in the vehicle. They didn't care if it was a great job or not. Yeah. They just wanted to get out. Right. But one take, and we did it. <laughs> and it was fun. Oh, good times, huh? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, sometimes people ask me, because I was on the air in – in Park City on KPCW, I was a morning guy for 20-some-odd years. And people said, well, did you miss that? And I'd say, no. Yeah, it was a great experience. And I still get some on-air time when we we support a couple of public radio stations with challenge grants and whatnot. So I, I think you got there. something today, don't you? I, I did this morning. It's already this morning? 7 to 9 a.m. 7 to 9? Yeah. Now you're back being the morning guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so those were all things that were great and I learned from and, uh, you know, I'm ha happy to have kind of a lifetime skill of music and I suppose when I'm 80, 85, 90 maybe, I'll quit. Yeah, well, you, and you spread the joy around, that's what I like. Thanks. That's, that's part of the purpose. Well, Don, let me ask you this, and it's our last question, because I know that you have you have to open your business here in a little bit. What's inspired you this week? This week? Oh, wow. I, I, well, Don, what's inspired you this month? What's inspired you today? Whatever you want to do. Sure. As much as anything, what inspires me, particularly here at the store, seeing people create, work, but as much as anything, the people who visit and uh, come through, they may not buy anything, but they'll say, oh, what a great little store. Or, I love this, I've had two or four people say, this is so well curated. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so that kind of thing is inspiring. Um, and I think the other personal thing is just trying new things. As I said earlier, you know, I, I started with a classical guitar and folk songs. And now I have <laughs> several guitars, an electric, and just recently um, a pedal board where I have tremolo and all these things. I've been playing with that yeah. every day. It's just trying to figure out you know, what works and doesn't. Now, does Annie make you go out to the garage to do that? Or? No, you know, Annie has been such a sport. We have, in our house, the west end is a 400-square-foot room, which originally was a garage. Uh, fast forward, we 
opened it up, lots of windows. And so we have guitars and basses and amps and all around saxophone and melodia. And, uh, um, so there's, there's enough room for us to sit and watch television, but there's, that's, that's our rehearsal space. And so Robert and Barry leave some of their instruments there and oh, amps okay. and things. So it's, uh, we've talked about maybe building a separate building, but you know, this works. So. Yeah. Does Annie play? She wants to. And um, we tried banjo once uh, together, uh, me teaching her. And uh, now she has a ukulele, and every now and then she pulls it out. But she is a great fan. Yeah. And, that, and a very supportive fan. And that's. Um, and she'll, she'll let me know when something didn't work. But, um, well, we, we, we would see her at all the events with a big smile on her face. Yeah. Best smile ever, you know, lights up a room. And uh, so, yeah, she's very, very um, supportive. And, you know, know, we don't have to go out to the garage. (laughs) Actually, it is a former garage. Yeah, it's a former garage. So in a sense, you do go out to the garage. But it's been, the garage has been promoted. Exactly, yeah. So anything else, Todd? No, I, you know, it's a good life, and I... I really live by what I have on my email. It's a phrase that I learned probably 50 years ago or more. And it's nothing that is need be just because it was. Yeah. I notice that every time I get an email from you. So, Well, Don Gumps, thank you very much for your time here today. Thank you, Steve. And for your kindness to me this summer, making me feel like I was part of the community. Well, and you reached out and you've become a good friend. Thank Thanks. you. All right, Don. Thanks. Broadcasting from Mesquite, Nevada, in the scenic Mojave Desert, the Art Box sponsors thank you for listening. To find our next and past podcasts, find us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com, where all accompanying images and links are available on the Art Box page. Questions, comments, opinions, and concerns can be sent to artboxvv at gmail.com. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of its hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Virgin Valley Artists Association.